0: From Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. And
1: I'm Evan Earworker. And we are here in week, I believe it's six, of our series in the Psalms with Pastor Corey Parnell. Hi, Corey.
2: Hello, my friends. Always a joy What's to have up? you in Hello, listeners. Oh, it's a joy to be here. Yeah. I, this is nice uh, The people don't know that you recently upgraded and now your studio has a window.
0: It does. Yeah, what a sweet office, huh?
2: Yeah. Yeah, this is nice.
1: This is, uh, we're in a section of our church where the youth staff, which Ben and I um, are connected to, we used to have offices on this side with beautiful windows. Gorgeous. Looking out on a park-like setting. And now we're with everyone else with no windows upstairs.
0: You have a window to the hall. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of lament, don't bring it up to Spencer, by yeah. the way, our youth pastor. Spencer is pretty, he's still pretty
1: hurt <laughs> is, sure. over the whole office and movement. It's his office, his old office that we're sitting in right now. Yep. So speaking of lament, uh, Corey, you just delivered a message on lament in the Psalms. Uh, when you get assigned a topic like lament, how does that make you feel?
2: Well I joked in the sermon that uh, you know I'm a I'm a depressed rock star so it it comes very
0: naturally to me. Um It helps but, you write music though, right? Isn't that the whole idea behind the depressed rock totally, star? Totally. Yeah, Beautiful I lyric. mean it's
2: fuel for the flame um of your artistry, but the truth truth be told I I I find it fascinating. Um again it's uh the the primary um topic of the Psalms, that the mo- most Psalms are Psalms of right, lament. Right. Right. But then also, just because of everything that um, Steve and Suzanne have been going through when the topic came up, I, uh, and then he was, he, he was actually, he assigned himself to take it because I didn't think he, wa- I don't think he wanted to make anybody else do it. But I just wanted to take that from him. Yeah. So yeah. I jumped on that. He was happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and
1: you mentioned most of the Psalms are la- songs of lament. Uh, it makes sense when you consider both the Jewish people being really an oppressed people for mm-hmm. um, as long as they've for been good reason.
2: a people. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and also, uh, David, who wrote a lot of the Psalms. Um, Sorry,
2: I thought you said depressed people. Op- at, oppressed. Yeah, yeah and, and, depressed I, and then because I said for good reason, and <laughs> <laughs> it sound like an anti-Semitic or something. I was something. Yeah. About No, they were yeah. oppressed for really good reason. I thought yeah. you said de- depressed, and I said they're for good reason because they were because oppressed. They were oppressed. <laughs> We want to clarify that. Thanks for catching that.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we don't want to create a problem here for this podcast. But, um, but yeah, and the life of David um, clearly filled with um, difficulty and uh-huh. stuff uh, to overcome, and yeah. you feel that angst and that um, lament in his his words.
2: Yeah. Well, again, um, and I can't remember who who's who said this, and so I apologize. But the you know the quote we've been saying throughout this series is that most of the psalms. Um, speak to us while the Psalms of Lament, or most of scripture speaks to us while the Psalms speak for us. And I said, you know, perhaps no better Psalms than the Psalms of Lament speak for us. Um, Because I think that's why uh, we, we all flip our Bible there. I did it just this morning. I was like, sitting on my porch, like, what do I read? Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I went to the, Psalm, uh, the Psalms because they speak for me. And, and <laughs> of course, I went to one that was like, oh, woe is me, God. You know, wh- will you ever hear my voice? And it was very,
0: very sad. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm, we relate. We relate to them. They, they are our story you so you talked about a period of lament in your life where your father-in-law was going through a battle with ALS and mm-hmm. um you ran you went to a boat right and stayed on the yeah. boat for a while just to yeah. can you just kind of open up that process a little bit for everybody what you know you don't have to go into every little detail but yeah. what was
2: that like well i'm not sure i told that story as well as i as i could have um i that was off script i just told it saturday night um on accident or maybe i looked at the clock and was like i need to stretch this thing out (laughs) but then i ended up sharing it in all the other services as well because it 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 should have been in my notes it just kind of yeah it was like a holy spirit kind of prompting thing um but but the point of that story was that i was going through a really dark time i was really self sufficient i was trying to put all this pressure on myself to fix my family's and some things, you know, obviously it's uh sickness that would lead to my father-in-law passing away and my parents, um, splitting up, you know, after 20 something years of marriage and, um, just a bunch of crazy heavy stuff. And that, the reason I got away was, or I went away was because, um, I was due a sabbatical in our, um, denomination every seven years, you know, yeah. that they, they require you to take a sabbatical. It's actually really awesome. Yeah. Um, but that was like one of the first things I did was to go, I'm going to go get my heart right before I can't relax. You know, I can't recharge if I don't figure out what's happening with me emotionally. So then I went and this, had this crazy thing happen with my phone dying and stuff. And it was not that big of a deal, but it caused like a panic attack. And um, and I was alone on on this boat, you know, in Winchester Bay, Oregon, um, in quasi-winter. Like it was not... wow. Super fun, but what the point of the story was that I got to a place of lament, which is so different than complaint, really, or than complaining. It's so different than um, any other way we try to cope, or you know, with our stuff. It's like it's a it's a productive way Mm. to complain um it's like i said in my message it's t- it's not grumbling about god to someone else or even grumbling about god to yourself and just sort of wallowing in your self pity and stuff it's it's literally saying god hey hey you you mm. big man this sucks help i trust you but help you know mm. and that's the thing about lament is it's a real dance of like honesty but praise as well yeah and that's the place i got to there on that boat and i think because i finally did um, I was open to God's presence and like his really like a really miraculous kind of encounter with Him and Him speaking to me and stuff.
0: So. so how did you how did you know you were there? How did you know that you had crossed over from complaint to lament and that all of a sudden something, as you said, was being productive? Was there a moment where you were like, "Oh my gosh,
2: yeah"? You I, know, was
0: there a light bulb kind of moment or did you just kind of sink into it?
2: I think just going there was like my final, like it was the last straw. You know, I. And I've tried everything else. I tried, I talked to counselors. I've done, you know, this and that. I've, um, I've complained. Yeah. I've been pissed. Can I say that? <laughs> sure. It's, it's behind the It's I have been, I've been really ticked. And, um, but I haven't actually had that moment. And I just, it's, it's kind of a weird, mystical moment, to be honest. Okay. And I, and I don't know how to give people an ABC to get to that place, but I think most people know when it's like, it's just a softness of heart. You still are carrying your thing, but your heart softens and you go, "God, come on, like I need you. You know, I love you. Yeah. I still love you. I still trust you, but I need you right now. You know, I'm getting emotional just thinking about mm-hmm.
1: it. It's it's that kind of, I think, raw um emotion that comes out. I think through the series for me that theme is, has just come up and up again and again of if we can capture what i think these songs and and writings are meant to do they're meant to draw out our real selves before mm. god yeah and and i think nowhere is it seen more clearly than in songs of lament where you just remove all pretense you know you remove all the sense of i'm going to put my best foot forward and really show god my best side but it's just really the raw this is where I'm at, this is what my life is before God, mm-hmm. and I think there's power in that,
2: yeah, you know? and these there is people need to be themselves god God's anointing, his calling, his future, all of that is on the real you, the authentic you, um so we've got to get to that place, and the thing about the Psalms of lament, and I was trying to get that across in the message is that. Um, they're like training wheels because we're not, we're all pretty bad at being our true selves before God and, mm. and honest with him and honest with ourselves. We're bad at it. So they give us some training wheels, you know, a framework. And I talked about that at the end of the message, like, you know, almost all sums of, of lament and not always in this order, but, you know, have um, an address. Uh, you start with like, you know, God, I know you're good or whatever. And then they go to the the um, the complaint So, like, this is how, but this is how I feel. (laughs) This is my honesty. And then a request. Okay. So now you know how I feel. This is how I think you can help. Um, And then an expression of trust. And then that just says, because I still believe. Um, So it's like kind of a trust sandwich. You start by saying, like, God, you're good. And then you finish Mm -hmm. by saying, and I still believe you're good. Yeah. So one of the things
1: that you said that really jumped out at me um, from the whole message was this line. I want to read it from your notes. Um, You said, I often hear people say something to the effect of, I don't trust scripture. Look at all the horrible things that people do in it. But the Bible isn't an account of people doing things perfectly. It's an account of people doing things terribly, breaking the world really, and an account of a loving God who puts things back together. Talk to me a little bit about the, the restorative nature of God and how the Bible and the Psalms present humanity, not in the perfect light, but as this broken group of you know yeah. raw humanity
2: i'm thinking about when i said that i'm literally thinking about like really gnarly stuff in scripture mm-hmm. like that trips people up um like um genocide um or uh dis- destroying entire villages i'm thinking i'm thinking about the gross stuff like um onan um I, you just look up onan and <laughs> you will know what i'm talking about um or we talked about just a minute ago in our speaking team meeting here the 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 scene where um a guy gets stabbed in the gut and he's so fat that a king i can't remember yep. his name now but yeah that the fat goes around the hilt of the yeah, spear yeah. <laughs> or the uh,
1: lot offering his daughter's to the people, yeah. uh, to be
2: right. raped, you know, and,
1: and, and t- terrible things,
2: and people even attributing these things a lot of times in scripture to God or to His doing when, when really it was just man, kind of like attributing it to you know a, a man saying, "Oh, this God told me to do this" or whatever. Um, but the the point of it is that those stories are are people screwing it up, are right. people messing it up, messing give not you know giving God glory for the wrong things. Um, not giving him glory for the right things, mm-hmm. and we learn through those stories, um, th- through those histories, that this is how God is, and this is how He is to be approached, and this is how He approaches mankind. Which ultimately, again, with the whole story, is He approaches us with love, and so He wants, and He wants to love our true, honest selves. Yeah,
0: which makes it funny that we kind of come to this conclusion, and, and I think the world looks at the church a lot this way, especially you know people that haven't spent time with you know, at least some of the people that I know in the church community, but it's funny that we come to this conclusion that we have to have, we have to be dressed the right way and we have to say the right words and we have to look the right way when, even just reading the scripture that we're looking at, the whole thing is just a bunch of broken, hurting, messed up people. And the idea that we can even come to God and say we're lamenting or we're 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 in this process. And a lot of times I can lie to myself about what I'm saying to God while I'm lamenting. And I can say, well, you right. know, this is this, and I, you know, this is the problem. And I'm even sitting there, it's just me and God, and I'm being dishonest about how I'm feeling, or I'm being dishonest about where I'm at, or I'm being dishonest about my life. It's so funny how we can read a scripture and it, 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 you put it in such a good way by saying, look, this is not a story about god's people doing things right this is a story about broken people living with god and needing his grace
2: yeah and lamenting is how you navigate your brokenness with god like having that tool in your tool belt is how to navigate all this madness you know
1: and i've even caught myself like journaling like a private journal and almost journaling through the lens of if someone else was going to read it (laughs) you know it's like what am i doing like right uh, There's just so much I think that that stands in the way of us being honest with ourselves and honest with God, and I think breaking through that with true lament is like one of those kind of like brick breaking things. Yeah, you know, pushes through that.
0: That's right. Yeah. So what's it like to what's it like to come out of lament, Corey? Let's kind of go back to your your story, and obviously that wasn't the end of the kind of the painful part of the story, right? What was it? What was it like to come out of that? Is there a time where you're just like. Kind of the old schooler, like, all right, I've cried for a really long time. I need to pick myself up now, and I need yeah. to walk out that door, and I need to be strong again, or whatever. What's that process like? Yeah, it got worse actually after that for my family, um,
2: uh, but I was better. Um, not not like totally. I still have to deal with it, and I still had to come back. But uh, there's just that. The, I think the thing about about, like, you know when you've, like, really truly lamented is when you have a revelation. Mm. And that's where the, uh, what I mean is, like, you, you know something about God that you didn't know um, or that you thought you knew, you saw a new facet of. And that's that last thing. That's that um, expression of trust that all the laments finish with. It's like, I, I, but I still know you're good. And for me, it was just that that he was the one who had the shoulders, the knees, as it were, Mm -hmm. to stand up under the weight of all the stuff I was feeling. And so I, um, and not me, not, I was not strong enough. Yeah. And, um, proven by the fact that just having my phone die while I was away from my family, like cracked me up, you know, it was the (laughs) thing that broke me. (laughs) I don't (laughs) know.
1: And I should mention that when you talk about that, you're not talking about like you you're missing your Instagram like that. It was a way to communicate with your family, and right. just you felt yeah. so isolated. Yeah, it wasn't just oh, I, I miss Facebook. Or, you know, <laughs> totally. Yeah,
2: no. I mean, but the Snapchat filters are really what Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you're by yourself. Yeah. I was just yeah. laying there every night in bed, you know, just putting those mustaches on my face. <laughs> And just laughing, not having and, that. No, no, that was really wow. brutal. No, but yeah, it was it was connection. It was connection specifically with yeah. with Whitney, my wife, and um, and but yeah, I was just already going crazy. I was I was I hadn't talked really talked to anybody in like three days at that point. Do you think
1: lament uh, generally drives us into isolation in a painful but good way, or does it draw us out of isolation? Um, with its fun, how it functions, you know, mm-hmm. does that make
2: sense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's both because uh, you, well, you see that by the example of the of the fact that there are communal laments and then there are personal laments. I think it's sometimes a lament will draw you together with other people, and actually, that's one of the powers of it um, that that you can you, it gives you this common ground that you wouldn't have had with people. In fact, my mother in law, um, who of course um, everybody knows, but Bo Stern, a pastor uh, here at church, a teaching pastor, she's the one who's husband my father-in-law steve passed away from als and she was telling me the other day that um, she met uh, a guy who is my <laughs> this is hard to explain he's my neighbor's father-in-law <laughs> and he's just started coming to west side and he had his wife pass away almost around the exact same time wow. as steve did from a similar type of um, disease and they just had this bond and it's the that's the bond of lament yeah they mm-hmm. just felt like you know what I'm going through. And so they had a great conversation and have struck up a friendship. It's cool. So yeah, I think it's both. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah,
1: and I think as we've seen uh, both through what um, your family has walked through, Bo has walked through, and then also um, with the Mickles, the power of lament in the, in the communal or the community setting and and the way that it, it really does draw, I think people, um, together in a way that, that nothing else is a substitute yeah. for. Mm. Suffering and lament has a way yeah. of working something that just you can't get anywhere else.
2: Yeah. The difference is in our culture we um like do like casseroles, you know? Um and like meals. And in Hebrew culture they wrote songs and they sang them together. Wow. Which is one of my favorite parts of my message actually. Was talking about that. Because just the ridiculousness of the idea of, I mean, for in, for them, culture, yeah. for us, it's crazy. But for them, like they literally were walking around going, oh God, <laughs> you are a forsaker of men. Like, you know, just the saddest things. I'm like an owl in the desert, <laughs> so
0: far from home, right.
2: Right. singing all that together as where we just get together and eat, you yeah. know, mac and cheese. Yeah. Uh, comfort, comfort food, yeah. but but it's together. That's our communal lament. Yeah, it's so true.
1: Yeah. Throughout your message, uh, you use a lot of humor, which you always do as a speaker. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, you uh, used I,
0: a lot of humor this time. It's though. to make up for yeah. a
1: I lack of content, yeah. Yeah.
0: so I throw in Well, that's where I live, right yeah. there. That's right. <laughs>
1: and uh, in one of your normal messages, not on lament, um, you know, you use comedy, but it really stuck out. I think when you're talking about lament, but in such a way that I mean, people are laughing throughout your message and yet you're driving home these points on like sorrow, grief, lament, yeah. uh, it, just kind of an interesting, is it a juxtaposition? Yeah. You know, as how is that like in your prep? Like, do you, were you thinking about that? Like, I'm going to kind of one, two punch here, like make them laugh and then drive home mm. the point about lament. Or is it just you? Is it just how you, how
2: you communicate? It's, it's, uh, I it's both, uh, but it is how I communicate. Um, and, and, but I knew that I could take the tact of like, oh, we should just lament and experience this thing and be sad <laughs> together, or it could kind of like go the, the opposite way. And, and um, so I did try to do that intentionally, but, but by and large, I do communicate that way. And what's funny is I was just, I was just listening to another podcast about the power of comedy, um, especially as it relates to political unrest and how that's always been, I mean, for, for millennia, Um, The way people sort of communicate uncomfortable truths about their society or about stuff like that, they do it through comedy. And you think about um, just cartoons, even political cartoons and things like that. But then even most stand-up comedians and and those type of people, you talk to them in real life... Like those are some of the most depressed people. They oh, they really are some of the most like e- maybe not depressed, I don't know if that's the best word, but emotionally in touch. They're ve- they feel things really deeply. Yeah, it's absolutely right. And um like I think about Adam Sandler, you know, he's classic, you know, all of his movies, everybody knows him as this comedy guy. Do you guys remember that movie Rain Over Me? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He was he was brilliant in So this, good. in this dramatic. <laughs> thing. And that's because that's that's who he is actually. mm mm-hmm. Mhm um and so anyway i'm not that's all to say that i'm like huge super, push
1: for adam sandler <laughs> here <laughs> or,
2: or or to say that i'm like mega depressed i, I am was going to say yeah, yeah yeah i am <laughs> not but i am a, i do feel things deeply and i think i find it easier to connect uh or to 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 make sense of my feelings and stuff if i can also laugh about them and um see some kind of a i don't know right side or something <laughs> yeah. like that
1: Well, I think that depth of uh, being able to be in touch with emotions on a a wide range, I think, is what makes people, you know, like yourself, Mm -hmm. able to be funny and the depressed rock star, you know, (laughs) or whatever. But it's a range of emotion. It's not just like I'm one or the other, because that would be a shallow range of emotion, but it's when you have this large range that I think you can dip yeah. Into the depths of it, or or really reach high for that comedic effect, you know. Yeah,
2: here's a little funny tidbit for people. I don't plan out my jokes. I plan out my uh, some of the stories that are funny or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's if every time
0: without fail, if I write down a joke and I think it's going to be the funny, worse, it totally bombs, and then it's in your notes. And you feel like you got to say it again. Yeah. Or
2: every time you sweep by it as you're standing up there pretending, you know, you're, you know what you're doing. Um, you know, you're like, oh, and it just stings like, oh, that was so dumb. Why did I write that down? So I I don't, and people always ask me, what were you saying about, you know, so-and-so? And And I'm like, honestly, I couldn't tell you. I just don't, I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah. Do
0: any of us plan out our jokes? Do you plan out your jokes, Evan?
1: I plan out my jokes. Um, but the ones that actually are good usually are the unplanned ones. Yeah. Yeah. I have backups though in my notes. I do. I do I have I do backups because I just feel like um, me going the route of super serious is really unengaging. So I have to I have to know that like at least I'm gonna have something <laughs> a little bit lifting you know but the it's the unplanned ones that land it's true always yeah
0: <laughs> you're kind of a serious guy though yeah yeah i'm kind of a serious guy yeah yeah not in a bad way and you are kind of too cory yeah and, and you you both obviously have incredible sense of humor i'm just a super dork when i get up yeah. there and i get a mic in my hand and that's kind of how i am in, in my entire life yeah you gi- <laughs> you giggle a lot I'm
2: i giggle serious. a lot yeah.
0: yeah it's like listening to a cheerleader nice. <laughs> <But, laughs> okay, <laughs> All right, I'm going to preach tonight. Now I feel great about it. But um, no, I think about... Oh, you're preaching tonight, aren't you? Exactly. First Wednesday? Yeah, it's going to be great. You're all secure about it. But like even... Like I heard people all over the place being like, Corey is just so funny. I'm like... Yeah, but not. He doesn't try to do that all the time. He's not like you're not the the clown at the party, you know what I'm talking right, about. Right. Right, right, And yeah. uh so you got up there and do I just thought it was the greatest thing. Do, do you guys ever I feel I know where I'm going with do all Do you guys this ever stuff. feel this? <laughs> right.
1: Okay. So we're all kind of in that category of like the younger um group of preachers around here, yeah. right? Do you ever feel like people have, uh, like, feel like we're in competition? And so when they come up to, like, compliment oh, yeah. you or somebody else, one of us other guys on yeah. stuff, it's like they think that we're going to be offended. <laughs> if somebody compliments Corey to me, it's like, no, don't take this the wrong way, but Corey did a yeah. great job. I'm like, don't <laughs> I'm take not this offended. The wrong way. We're fine. <laughs> we're,
2: we're all on the same team here, you know? I don't yeah. Know. It's interesting. Yeah, no, actually, I'm keeping a tally book. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you guys are awesome and everything. But anytime somebody
0: does that, I'm like, oh, go on.
1: How many positive to negative out. comment cards did you get? Because,
0: yeah. Yeah. Or people come up to me and go, Corey was really good. I'm like, oh, yeah, he was great. No, <laughs> so surprised. look at me. He was really good. <laughs> what are okay, you trying I to guess- say?
2: <laughs> yeah. I wish there was some way that we could record some of those conversations that, you know, Pastor Steve and everybody has. I love them. I love, but there's always something so
0: funny that happens, you know? We should probably do that. Can you record that? Sure. Put them on the podcast. Sure. Go really behind the message. Immediately Immediately after After, the message, behind the message. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's true. Um, Well, I think um, all of these things, hopefully, as we walk through this series, um, you as listeners, and I think people in the, the seats. I hope this is leading us somewhere. You know, I, sometimes when these series are so topical, it's like we yeah. can, one is about this, and then we jump to this. I'm really hoping that that as we come t- kind of to the end of the summer, end of the series, that thread through all this and that that sense of who we are before God starts to sh- to show up more and more. Because you know, mm-hmm. it, it seems like these are a little disconnected. But I I don't know about you guys, but I'm starting to feel like this kind of I don't know. Coming together of themes throughout the series. You know.
2: Yeah, I am too and um I feel like we've we said this all throughout the series as well that wa- walking through the psalms is like walking through a portrait gallery of God. Mm-hmm. And um but and what's interesting about about doing that and really gazing upon his face, his character. Um we're looking at it from different you know, it's not like we're spending the entire time on his on his eyes or something like that, you know, as mm-hmm. we do many times, we talk about as a particular piece of, of doctrine or something like that. We're talking about all the different facets of his image. And, and uh, this always happens when you, when you look at him, you get a better image of yourself mm. and you become, you become more like him. You, you see those traits that, that are so beautiful. Um, and obviously so there's many of them that we cannot, the, I think they're called the non-communicable uh, attributes of God, or whatever. I, there's some theological term for it, but there's stuff we can't copy, like His creative power. Like I would just make us all like a double cheeseburger right now if I could mm. copy that. But His kindness, His love, His yeah. generosity, His justice, His these things we can like we can look towards, and it, and it gives us a better, uh, more rounded Christian life. Mm. So I think it is all coming together. Um, in a really beautiful way and what
0: I've discovered is that you can't really talk about one without bumping into a lot of the others even today, yeah, we yeah. talked about, in the teaching team, we talked about goodness for a while. And I was like, well, you can't really talk about goodness without talking about lament, can you? And right. And it's, it's tough to talk about lament without talking about justice. And mm-hmm. all these things really are interwoven, and they connect a lot more than I expected them to. Because you're right, it's it's quote-unquote topical, but really all of those things exist because the other themes exist as well. It's
2: kind of like we're connecting the dots, and at the end, we're going to hold up this image of his face. Yeah, exactly. You
1: know? And cool to me that when we talk about the character and the attributes of God, we don't have to be a cheap imitation of it in our own lives. We are made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. That means intrinsic to who we are as people are the ability to emulate the character of God because we're made in His image. Mm -hmm. We have His DNA. And so as we get closer to His presence he draws out in us what he was was already there al- always designing us to mm, be good. you know so encouraging so amen well uh hope you guys will come back and join us next week i think pastor steve yep. is on next week and looking forward to a conversation with him as we go once again behind the message uh check us out at behindthemessage.org if you have not and uh, otherwise we will see you next week